0: Hello and thank you for listening to this Fund Board Council podcast. This is a 15-minute excerpt of our longer podcasts and the full podcasts are available exclusively to Fund Board Council members via their member portal. If you like what you hear and you'd like to find out more about membership, please do contact us via our website at fundboards.org. In the meantime, happy listening. <laughs>
1: Good afternoon and uh, welcome to everyone who's joined us for the Fund Boards Council panel, where we are going to be having a very interesting discussion today all about fund liquidity. I'm delighted to have with us today three fantastic practitioners who will be drawing on their expertise. We have Michelle McGrade. Michelle uh, is a former Chief Investment Officer and Executive Director. Michelle now has a portfolio of non-executive and advisory roles, most notably being a non-executive director of MG Securities Limited uh, and the Diverse Income Trust. Michelle has a broad experience across the investment management industry, covering asset management, private wealth, and fintech. Amongst other things, Michelle has created and led a new investment proposition. She's reinvigorated old ones. She's recently built an online digital wealth management platform, advice platform, excuse me, for retail investors. And she is passionate about making investments understandable to the general public, giving them the confidence to make well-informed investment decisions. So fantastic to have a uh, retail consumer advocate with such a great experience. Um, Just to be clear, Michelle will be speaking today in a personal capacity. So uh, she'll be drawing on her experience as a non-executive director in the funds world, but not for any one particular role. Turning to Tim, Tim is the Chief Risk Officer of HSBC Global Asset Management. Tim has over 30 years' experience in asset management, having joined HSBC in 2005 and previously uh, being the Head of Global Risk Management at AXA Investment Managers. Tim's career spans actuarial, finance, and fund management roles, having been a Managing Director of Sun Life Investment Management, as well as holding a number of senior roles within AXA Investment Management. Tim has a BSc honors in mathematics from Bristol University, is a fellow of the Institute and Faculty of Actuaries and a member of the CISI. And our final member, Emma uh, Emma Griffin is a non-executive director and a private investor. She serves on three public company boards, Industrial Alliance Inc., which is an insurance and wealth management company, St. James's Place PLC, where she chairs the Investment Committee and the Unit Trust Group Board, and SDCL Energy Efficiency Income Trust, uh, where she chairs the Remuneration Committee. Emma also serves on the board of a number of other firms, including Claridge, a private investment firm, Solotech, an audio, visual, and entertainment firm, and EDF Man, uh, the private agricultural commodities trading firm. As an executive, Emma co-founded and built a independent stockbroker, Aurel Securities, which was sold in 2014, and she subsequently founded and built a private equity-backed holding company to invest in the professional services sector. Emma's other experiences include teaching the CEO Insights Masterclass, uh, part of the MBA program at McGill University with Carl Moore, and she previously chaired the board of the Catalyst Club, which is part of Cancer Research UK. Emma is a bilingual graduate of Oxford University where she read Greek and Latin, and Emma, uh, similar to Michelle, will be speaking in a personal capacity today as a non-executive director involved in the funds world, but not with any one particular firm's hat on. So with a panel like that, the expectations are very high, so no pressure, uh, Michelle, Tim, and Emma. Um, we're going to start today um, by drawing on your experience as uh with your involvement on fund boards so the first question and i'm going to ask this to to each of you in turn is how has the level and the nature of the focus on liquidity risk changed on the funds you're involved with over the past few years and in particular um, we know the fca wrote to ceos of authorized funds uh, at the end of 2019 so How have things moved in the almost 18 months since then? Have you seen any change in the focus on fund liquidity? So we'll start, if that's all right, with Michelle.
0: Okay, Uh, thank you, Brandon, and um, hello to everyone. Look, I think the industry is growing up and um, we're starting to see some change. And uh, most importantly, I think, uh, integrating liquidity management throughout the whole process. So, you know, starting with product design, for example. And the changes, you know, like a few years ago, I'm going back 2008, when uh, the great financial crisis where we saw the markets collapse, obviously, but the corporate bond market just completely dried up. And I remember, Um, everyone was very reactionary at that point in time. And I think we've moved on from that to sort of being a bit more preemptive. Um, And and I think the other thing that changed, and I think um, with the reaction to the, obviously this FCA letter, when it goes out to companies, obviously everybody stands up a little straighter um, and then turns around and does a little digging. Um, to make sure that um, everything has been covered off. Um, that is absolutely true. But also um, on the back of um, the PS 1924, you know, which is really um, driven by what happened in Woodford, that was different from a, a market crash. That was driven by um, uh, a portfolio, which basically fell over. And, um, and what went wrong there was the portfolio management process. So liquidity, obviously, and quite a few other things were wasn't considered within the process. And uh, so that was something new. And it is always something new. The next thing, what is the next thing going to be? It's going to be something different again. But definitely what I'm seeing is that, you know, boards have always had a focus on liquidity and liability management. Um, And also um, their big customers such as pension funds also um, definitely have the same. Um, But I think the breadth of um, liquidity management, moving it away from just the risk and compliance teams and um, uh, putting it through the process is, is the change that I see.
1: Really helpful, thank you, Michelle. Tim, from your perspective as an executive involved in funds, uh, what what what's your experience been?
2: Well, I think um, to echo some of the things Michelle said that mean um, this this isn't recent. In fact, the longer I work in investment, the more I think there's nothing new. It's just the old ideas and new packaging that comes along. But I mean, the, the great financial crisis was, was brought into focus. Interestingly enough, the areas of greatest tension were in money market funds, particularly in places like the US, um, uh, and where you know liquidity is, of course, paramount in, in those funds. And indeed, it turned out in some cases it wasn't. So I, I think this is a, uh, a something that fund boards have always been considered, and we've always considered it as fund managers and as um, management companies about... How funds are managed and can you meet um, redemptions as they fall due and other calls. Um, the events, um, the great financial crisis started to rise things and then some of the, actually I called it, idiosyncratic events, not just Woodford but others over the last few years have heightened it again. Um, and the the regulators, the, the FCA is not alone in um, alerting and asking questions. I, I see that uniformly, whether it's the Central Bank of Ireland, CSSF in Luxembourg or the SFC in Hong Kong, all are asking for more questions and setting more demands around um, liquidity. And indeed, the SEC um, carried out a consultation period. It's a It's an interesting debate because um, funds are not liquidity transformation vehicles. They're not like banks. Their paramount purpose is to provide pooling vehicles for investors to share in the in the to get an opportunity to invest in, in a efficient, sometimes tax efficient way, and therefore they're different from banks. But a lot of the regulators, the Financial Stability Board, um, IOSCO, have come at it from a banking direction with a different set of lenses. And obviously, IOSCO has come out with some principles here. So, all of this has increased the awareness and focus around it. Um, and then we had a, um, another dry run of all our policies in March last year as we went into the COVID dip. Um, and again, interestingly, it was um, at the, the end where you'd expect most liquidity that in some cases, the liquidity was hardest to find in that in the moments in, in towards the end of March last year, it was an interesting period. So, so to answer your question, um, I think that um, the, the interest has gone up partially because events have occurred that have made people think about it a lot more, and there's more questioning around it. So, yes, it, was it particularly the dear CEO letter? I, I, that may have helped, um, but most fund boards I would have expected were well on that. I mean, most fund boards, as soon as Woodford happened, would have said to their their fund, management, fund managers, well, could this happen here? Um, and would have asked those questions. And, and the whole concept of... of the publicity of these things acting as we describe it in our risk framework, a trigger event that causes you to look internally, could this happen here? So I think it's it's a it's a general process. Um, clearly, when the regulator comes along, it increases the individual accountability and, and you come on to SMCR. So there's a bit more focus because um, if the regulators in whatever country would come out with some clear guidance, Um, If you don't follow it, then then you're you're on the back foot if anything goes wrong. So I think it's increased it. Um, But yeah, I mean, it it needs much more. We're asked questions by it. Um, It's a focus of discussion at our risk committees, both of the manager and and, um, uh, in in the management companies.
1: Emma, uh, anything you would uh, you, you would add to that?
3: I think we've captured most of the points i mean i think product teams um i was chatting to colleagues earlier today and and one point that came out i think the product teams were 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 on this probably have been on this for a long time um and so i think it's an area that you know should have top priority attention from from the board um and so you know w- whether it's just liquidity um, in isolation I think is a, is, a, is a bit of a moot point because I think there's lots of consequences of discussions around liquidity which is you know rather broader a topic. Um, but I think overall um, you know the level of focus has gone up um, and the nature of that focus has you know been um, much deeper scrutiny at a much deeper level than
1: before. And I suppose picking picking up on that, and we'll we'll stay with you, Emma, if that's all right. SMCR has now been in place for asset managers for what a good year or so, I think at least. And um, has that had a change to to the way I suppose fund directors are, are behaving, um, both from a yourself as a non executive, and then you know we'll turn to Tim from an, an executive perspective.
3: Well, I think I mean for me. Um managing liquidity risk um and from a governance and oversight perspective should should always be a a top priority so um you know it's back to what Tim was saying it is has SMXCR driven you know heightened attention on it well yes maybe but I think the good corporate directors already had a you know a close paid a close eye to to that sort of thing I think in terms of Um, the discussions that people are now having is more around, you know, really, I think the scrutiny has gone more to what does it really mean for end investors in terms of outcomes, if there are squeezes on um, liquidity, and, you know, to go one stage further, are investors completely clear what liquidity means in terms of outcomes, if there are, Um, you know some bumps in the road and I think that's the bit where the FMCR regime and then the AMS and VAS process has brought much more um, transparency into that process um, as people have started to delve deeper into you know if this then that and so from my own perspective when I look at what we what we do um, those are the key considerations. We're always thinking about it from what it means for the end investors and making sure that people, you know, we've got to mm-hmm. challenge the fund managers around the suitability of the proposition at all times and make sure that where we have got illiquids in the portfolio in, at any level, that we understand, you know, how they're going to behave in a whole variety of different situations. Um, and we've got to be able to explain that and trying to retrofit an explanation um, after the fact is something that clearly I think the FCA is going to be very, very wary of going forwards, you know, and they've already made comments about that in relation to their first reviews of the of the VAS process.
1: Michelle, from from your perspective, has, has SMCR changed the way directors behave or liquidity uh, oversight in any particular way?
0: Um, I, I haven't seen any change. Um, only because all the directors I work with are are pretty um, um, thorough and um, uh, take their their roles very seriously. So um, to be honest, I think if you get the right person um, with the the right values and attributes, then um, SMCR shouldn't prove to be um, a, a hurdle. We hope you enjoyed that uh, 15-minute excerpt. If you did and you'd like to find out more about how you can access the full recording uh, or about FBC membership in general, please contact us via our website at funboards.org.